Appreciate every single one of you for being here. If you wouldn't mind taking a seat, we're gonna get to our next panel. Uh, of course, you're welcome to go back out into the main area to network if you'd like to keep talking, but we have a phenomenal panel on DAOs coming up for you right now. Please join me in welcoming to the stage Alexi Cortez, the Community Product Manager at Dot Earth, Chase Mayu, Head of Operations at Coral DeFi, and of course, Sam Padilla from ATX DAO. Let's hear it for them. Enjoy, guys. Hey, everybody. Good morning. I already did. Good morning, GM. Howdy. So everyone, I'm Alexi Cortez. I am kind of in a mix of roles because I work at a startup, so I'm technically a product manager, but realistically doing all of the growth. And I have a very controversial opinion on DAOs, which is why I'm very excited to moderate. But before we jump in, I'll let Sam and Chase give introductions and please mention your involvement with DAOs. Yeah, absolutely. Hey everybody, I'm Chase Mayu. I am the head of operations for Coral DeFi. Uh, I'm an Air Force brat that moved every two years all over the US, born in Germany. My middle name's Austin, little brother's first name is Houston, so it was kind of written in the stars to finally make it to here. Uh, I'm the, uh, on the advisory board of Decent DAO. I created DinnerDAO here in Austin. We started at McDonald's and kept trying to work our way up to better spots. Uh, I became really interested in DAOs through the writing of Dao De Chen. Uh, I was later uh, expanded upon by Dao Jones in 1882 and uh, popularized by System of a Down pretty recently. So. Good intro, it's gonna be hard to beat. Um, hey everyone, my name is Sam. Um, my, my day job, I am, I'm actually representing, which it's, it's interesting. I, I do crypto at Google Cloud for my day job, and my night job is ATXL. So I'm, I'm one of the core contributors to ATXL, trying to, we're, we're a DAO dedicated to Austin and trying to make Austin the, the crypto capital of the world. And aside of these two things, uh, I also do a lot of uh, ad hoc kind of like advising and consulting for some other companies. And, I write about DAOs and philosophy and all that stuff. So kind of, um, kind of excited to, to share a little bit more about the things that I've learned in the, in the space and, and talk about the, the big ideas that I have at least uh, around, around DAOs and, and governance. Thank you. All right, so first question I have is, I've met some people that are major evangelists of DAOs. They think DAOs are going to completely change the future and are super innovative. And I personally don't quite see that just yet, but again, I'm not involved in a DAO, so maybe I'm missing something. But to me, they, they resemble company with voting rights or social clubs like Soho House. So I'm curious what your take is on what innovation and how much progress a DAO can contribute versus existing models. So I think DAOs are really exciting because um, when I left college, I was pretty determined to start a company. And um, so you go through all the steps of forming an LLC. Um, and that can be kind of a barrier of entry to a lot of people. Uh, then you have the ability to, you know, as, as people were unifying and things that they were all commonly interested in and on Reddit, uh, a lot of people have explained DAOs as uh, a Reddit with a bank account, which I think is kind of cool and a little bit accurate. So uh, instead of people having to go and figure out how to start a company, you know, there's, there's all these DAOs created, whether they're, um, social DAOs, investment DAOs, or product DAOs, but something that everyone's itch interested in, where they can essentially go and it's fully automated and they can onboard themselves 
and essentially start or be a part of a company very seamlessly without having to go through the LLC registration, EINs plugged into a bank account, uh, all the other additional tax burdens that go with that as well. So I think it's kind of cool that you can very easily go and, and become a part of something that's uh, interesting to you. So I would say that um, I think there is a really big um, common misconception around the, the point of DAOs. I think a lot of people see DAOs as just another business organization or as a co-op or, or as a group, or they try to label DAOs as traditional companies. And, and a lot of people think that kind of the end game of DAOs is, oh, DAOs are the future of companies, or DAOs are maybe the future of nonprofits, or DAOs are maybe the future of investment clubs or whatever. Um, but I think people miss the point that uh, the true end game of the house is not necessarily any of the previous things mentioned or any of the existing business organizations. Um, I believe that the end game of the house is decentralization building. And as a consequence, DAOs are not so much about running a business as it is creating a new government. And as a consequence, um, the, the, the beauty of DAOs lies not necessarily on the things that you do as a DAO, but on the governance innovations that come from the organizations. So that would be my, my, um, my first argument is, um, I think DAOs bring a lot of innovation in governance that we frankly haven't seen in hundreds of years. And um, that's what really excites me about the, the space and about DAOs. Nice, thank you. So my second question, or maybe third question, I'm, I'm losing track, but a DAO to me means that everyone has a voice, everyone has a vote, but if voting is token-gated and based on token ownership, how do you prevent either one person or a small subset of people from owning all of the influence? That's a good question. Um, and you know that often happens where you'll have a project where, or a, a DAO and you have a whale that comes up and, and scoops up the ownership. Um, I think that is often you know, the result of, uh, it's kind of what the free capital market is all about. If you have something of value, uh, then it draws in people that want to invest in this and the value of those tokens grow. So then you have people kind of fighting for ownership of, of their um, tokens and involvement with the DAO. So where uh, you know, that could be an issue, it's also kind of a double-edged sword. I, I, I believe, and you know, it's also kind of something good where people fight to have majority ownership of of this DAO or protocol or project, and uh, and uh, at the same time, there's different mechanisms that can be built in to where, you know, maybe not. It's not strictly based on uh, acquiring the governance tokens by buying them, but but through participation and. Uh, pulling your weight within the DAO and taking on different bounties and jobs that you do to get kind of more of a, a say in what the decisions are made in the DAO. I, I, I don't think there's kind of a one, one solution fits all for DAOs. Um, as you were saying, there's a lot of uh, mechanisms. There's, of course, quadratic voting in which um, the weight of, of your vote uh, reduces quadratically based on the tokens they have. So the more tokens you have, you only get like half more votes as opposed to proportionally. Uh, there's of course like NFT voting, which is actually what we have with ATXI in which you are a member, you have the same vote, so there's no more voting rights uh, than, than, than any other people. You can even limit um, the, the NFTs that a given wallet can hold. 
so th there's there's a there's a lot of solutions that DAOs have been experimenting with, and that's kind of a um, part of the beauty, right, of what I mentioned of like governance innovation. But I think the 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 thing that I would like to point out is that um, even in cases in which a malicious actor comes and buys most of the voting power or plays the game, games the system in a way that they can they are able to concentrate most of the voting power. At the end of the day, um, governance structures are always superseded by social consensus, meaning that, and I, I guess it's, it's easy to give an example to explain what I mean. So I don't know if anyone here is involved with Cosmos, but uh, around March, earlier this year, one of the biggest chains in Cosmos called uh, Juno, um, they, they, had a, they had a new job last year, and somebody gamed the system in, in Juno such that um, they were able to concentrate like 30% of the voting power based on gaming their job system. Um, and that was a huge risk for the entire community because it had a huge voting power in the entire decision making of the DAO and also validation of the chain and so on. So they passed a proposal in which they literally said, you know what, those tokens are not yours, we're gonna take them away. Uh, and that was like a huge deal back in back in March or, or, or um, February of this year when that happened, because I was like one of the first times, or well, one of the first times since uh, the the DAO hack of Ethereum, in which the community basically said, you know what, we're gonna erase the canon historical um, uh, situation or the, the historical state with, or we're gonna reshape the historical state that the blockchain is keeping track of. And some people were enraged, some people voted against it. It was like a huge political issue. But that just goes to show that at the end of the day, like the same way that this happened with Juno or the same way that it happened with Ethereum during the DAO hack, social consensus always supersedes uh, the governance system. So if it happens to be that uh, somebody comes in in a malicious way, completely buys out the DAO, the people that organize the DAO could like just create a new one, exit, uh, change the consensus if they all agree to do so, right? So that's also, I guess, one of the bigger beauties of crypto is the right to fork, the right to leave, the right to exit, uh, the same way that Ethereum had the right to exit when the DAO hack happened, and, or, or, or Juno's hack to, uh, right to exit when, when the airdrop gaming happened. So um, social consensus kind of always supersedes um, what is agreed upon in the governance, and I, I guess that's part of the beauty is like, if, if the community still wants to do something good, they can agree to continue to do that good regardless of the death acts, I guess. So in that same vein, and I'm skipping ahead, but social consensus is an interesting one because everyone has different levels of, of likability, of influence. Some people may just not have any charisma and that's going to impact how people vote and how people influence others within the organization or within the DAO. How do you think that plays a part in voting and in just general, like generally how that impacts DAOs? Well, uh, there's, I guess there's, there's two ways where you can make uh, decisions. There's, you know, there's concave decision-making and convex decision-making, which is kind of expanded upon really well by Vitalik in some of his latest writings. Um, so, I, you know, it, in some instances, uh, it's you know it's better to have a consensus of people making decisions. Um, let's say uh, concave decision making, where you have option A and option B, and on, plotted on a chart, it, it makes an arc like that, and you can decide whether to allocate funds to Project A, Project B, uh, and maybe in that instance, it wouldn't be as good to to dedicate a token specifically to one project, um, 
but instead diversify your bet and help both projects with a better likelihood of one of them succeeding. So, so that is a you know, decision made on a concave chart, and it's better to get that consensus. And then you've got convex decision making where you have decision A, uh, let's say a military perspective, and you want to attack um, you know, a target here with your forces, or there's another target here, and you can, uh, you, know, you can choose one or the other, or you can do both and divide your troops. And in that instance, you divide the troops. It's a convex decision. And in that instance, it's, um, not, it's not as favorable of a decision to do both and reach a, 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 a consensus. So, uh, you know, in that, in that case, DAOs really aren't uh, suitable for every single, um, you know, every, uh, everything you want to do. You don't need to DAOify everything. Sometimes you need subjective leadership to step up and make decisions. So um, in that case, it's not really a one-size-fits-all in, uh, in my mind. I think this is just kind of a, a challenge of humans more so than they're about DAOs. I think it's, it's, uh, it's present everywhere. Uh, if you go to an interview and you never smile, and you do a next interview and you smile all the time, I would be willing to bet that like it's it's just like humans are biased or social creatures, and at the end of the day, if you're charismatic, it's easier to do things that involve other humans. And I guess this also points to to kind of a uh, a deeper um, issue with DAOs that, or even crypto as a whole, a lot of people try to eliminate the human element in crypto, or they say um, crypto is about trust elimination. And I don't necessarily agree. I think like you can't get rid of the human aspect of it because at the end, crypto is just trying to give us a tool or, or, or a technology or a base layer to, to build a new societal structure on top of. And society at the end of the day is made of humans, right? So it's, it's not so much about completely removing the human of the equation or completely removing trust from the equation, but about minimizing it. So what are some of the processes, the governance processes that you can build so that you can minimize the trust they have in specific humans or, on, or, or minimize the impact of charisma in, in the decision making or in the voting power or, or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think like DAOs and crypto as a whole are still about humans and humans are social creatures. And that's something that we need to be aware of as we think through the governance systems of DAOs and, 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 and we think about DAOs in general or crypto in general, like humans are part of the equation and this is an issue about humans. Totally. So the next question is about information and voter participation. Um, I, maybe I'm admitting too much, but I'm never a well-informed voter, and I think that that's a big flaw of mine. But it's really hard to be a well-informed voter, especially like going to vote in Austin, and like there's just so many things that I should be read up on that I'm not. And then voting participation is also really hard. So given that a DAO is structured around mostly voter participation and like everyone being well-educated and well-informed and holding people accountable, how do you think that plays a role into voting with DAOs? Well, I think just to start, it's important that you uh, join something that you're actively passionate about, whether it's you know, a product you want to create, an investment you have a, a good thesis on, or a social cause that you real, feel really passionately about. And if that's the case, then you don't have to try to, to you know, force everyone to participate and vote, but instead it's much easier to be you know, uh, kind of a shepherd of, of doing it on your own. And, um, and if not, you know, those members can often leave or they can be maybe incentivized. But at the end of the day, you know, these are very social things where you, know, you just uh, you, you join it because you love it. And if that's the case, then you know, participation should relatively be high. I, it's, 
I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done in voting delegation. Voting delegation aren't necessarily like validation delegation or staking traditionally speaking, but voting delegation. Because, um, so like you vote in Texas, or let's say you vote in the US, or you have the right to vote in the US, not by choice, you didn't, op you didn't choose to opt into the United States voting system, you were just born here, hence you have the rights to vote, right? So I don't think it's so much about like caring necessarily about what, you, what you're involved, but, uh, it, and, and, and one could argue that if you even joined the DAO to begin with, there's some level of interest into whatever this DAO is doing, and there's gonna be different levels of engagement. Like, people are probably part of, like, if, if you consider to be a part of a DAO to just hold a token, um, and, and then that token or the token holders of that specific organization kind of uh, created a DAO, then people who are actively engaged in Web3 are part of, like, I don't know, 10 DAOs or something? I, I'll, I'll be curious to see kind of the averages here. But like, there's a lot, right? So it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on. Um, and as a consequence, one of the biggest issues that most DAOs face, as you probably know, is voter participation and voting engagement. Uh, there's probably like 15 or 10%, I remember reading this, this um, the number that is usually 15 to 10% of token holders actually vote in proposals. But I think one of the biggest issues is because there's not a very strong way to delegate votes. And that's also one of the really cool innovations of DAOs, or one of the really cool things that DAOs enable compared to the traditional American voting system in which you have voting delegation in which your votes are stuck with the same person for two years, four years, depending on the person that you choose, right? So you vote on a president, you're delegating your, your, you're delegating your votes to whatever, the, or representatives, I guess is a better example. You delegate your, your votes to this representative and then the representative goes and represents you for two, four years. Um, and then if, if, if at any point in time this representative decides to, or chooses the way that they act or they start acting in a way that you don't agree with, you're stuck with them for like two years. So basically you have a voting delegation period of two to four years. Uh, the cool thing about DAOs that DAOs can enable is as you start voting on more important things, as DAOs become like countries, and you actually start voting on laws that affect you in a direct way, maybe a DAO passes a proposal to, to offer healthcare, and you're deciding whether that should be free or not. Uh, if you're not informing that issue, then you can basically delegate to somebody that, that is, and then when the next issue comes up, and the, the next issue is about technology, and you actually happen to know a lot about technology, then you can vote on your own, you can receive delegations, you can build incentive systems around those delegations. So it's, it's just really exciting to, to think that Compare what, what is happening in DAOs and the governance innovations happening in DAOs and compare that to the traditional voting system, not just in the US, but in, in the, any democratic system in the world, and you realize, wow, there's a lot of cool stuff happening here. There's a lot of cool things that you can do, and there's a lot of cool things that you can empower voter participation, um, encourage voter participation at a small uh, and, and, and also at a higher level as well. And just to add to that, uh, it's kind of the beauty of DAOs is that you don't need max participation. There's not that chokehold of everything running through one central person. Uh, Parker McCurley, CEO of Decent Labs, uh, now Decent DAO, his vision of that is, uh, well, one, he doesn't look at resumes. He, he has it fully automated. People can onboard themselves. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just don't need everything running through Parker. At some point, he ideally is going to be phased out and not, you know, a critical component of that DAO, not needing to participate, ideally. No, but, but I think like a DAO, at the end of the day, you do want people to engage with voting. Either, not necessarily the people themselves, but you do want to have the, the voting power being used for something because one of the core ideas of a DAO is to be able to distribute ownership and decision making amongst people, right? So if you don't have, if, if you have a supply of decision making power or decision making 
tokens, let's just let's just throw the, uh, the the word token out there. If you have supply of decision making tokens of 100 and only 10 tokens are actually voting, basically you have the DAO being dominated by 10 people, um, and that's. It's all great because like a lot of the people who actually join the DAO and, and hold the tokens, they actually own part of the DAO and are supposed to own part of the DAO and oftentimes put the money in that is often being used. So no, I definitely think that voter participation is a huge issue and you do want to have people voting, but for that you need to make it easier on people to vote. And right now, like keeping up with Discord is just an absolute nightmare, so very bullish on people working on DAO tooling. Thank you. So I have a question too about misaligned incentives. Uh, I'm curious if you think DAOs are still the right structure when there are misaligned incentives. And for example, I had one friend tell me that it would be awesome if Uber were a DAO because then all the drivers could vote to have higher payouts. But that obviously then penalizes all of the riders because their fees are more expensive. So do you still think that DAOs are the right structure when there are two sides of a business? Uh, again, I, I know people get really excited about wanting to DAOify everything because you really can. And uh, but it's not one size fits all. And that's an instance where you need, a, I would think, a team to make those executive decisions to see, you know, who that affects. Is it going to be the the drivers, the riders, uh, the shareholders? You know, it's it's not for every single company. So. I don't know if Uber would, would be the best DAO, but maybe something like it can spring up out of the woodworks that has innovations that we've yet to explore. Yeah, it's really hard to, to des des design incentives. Like humans interacting with each other form in a way a complex system. And in any complex system, when you change a tiny thing in the complex system, you have absolutely no idea how that's going to end up uh, getting effect, affecting the, the, the broader system, right? You can draw some inferences, but it's hard to know. Like, we go to Yellowstone and we introduce wolves, and then the rivers change the path that they, that they are actually flowing through because the wolves actually eat the rabbits that are, were eating some of the uh, plants around the river, and then that's basically making the river shift the path that is flowing through. So that's that's kind of the, the hard thing about complex systems. You don't know how inputs are going to end up uh, reflecting on the system as a whole. So I think there's a lot of exper experimentation going on, but I definitely echo what you were saying, Chase. Like, not everything needs to be a DAO. And there are things that are really hard to do in a purely decentralized way, which I, I may want to point out as also another, uh, another shortcoming of a lot of people in crypto. A lot of people in crypto think everything needs to be decentralized, and that's not really the case. Like, so I work at Google, right? And, and Google has like one of the biggest, um, if not the biggest, don't quote me on this, but one of the biggest uh, like hardware infrastructure in the world. Um, and one of the biggest things, one of the biggest parts of that infrastructure is underground sea cables. Try to lay an underground sea cable with a DAO. That's going to be madness, right? Because like, it's really freaking hard to do. And there's things by which centralization actually helps. Uh, and, and decentralization in and of itself is not necessarily the end goal. All of these are just tools. Centralization is a tool. Uh, decentralization is a tool. And you're trying to actually achieve a goal. Um, I just think, for instance, that uh, for the goal of rebuilding society, I think a decentralized society and a decentralized foundation is better. Uh, but there are things like laying an underground sea cable in which it may not necessarily be the case. Or Uber, right? Uber can be another example. Thank you. So next question, and then I think we'll wrap up. Um, truthfully, I think that when people have a sense of ownership to something, they're more likely to tell their friends about it and promote it, and they're more excited about it, even if they don't participate in voting or even if they don't really care about what's going on. So I, I truthfully think that people like to DAOify things because you get extra word of mouth and extra marketing versus you actually care about decentralized voting. I'm just curious to hear y'all's reaction to that. 
Yeah, I think we've seen that to a fault on crypto Twitter, where you're a part of something and you just want to tell everyone whether it's a rug pull or it's actually legitimate. So, um, you know, I, there's. I was talking to my buddy Kiefer sitting here. It's going to be going on soon about. Uh, I want to start like a treasure hunting club. Now, would that be a good company? I don't know, but maybe every single conference we go to, there's a group of like-minded people that want to go seeking out a treasure of some sort, and the DAO can potentially provide uh, you know, some structure to that, a treasury, an ability to vote, and it's, it's kind of a tool set that gives you the ability to do something like that much easier, um, have a kind of a spot for us all to unify. So. You know, that's that's one way where a DAO would be beneficial to it, and then of course uh, I'd be I'd be able to tell everyone there, and then uh, everyone else would would obviously hear about it because we'd be passionate about it. No, I, I definitely agree, Alexi, with with the issue that um, a lot of people just use DAOs as as a as a marketing tool and as a way to get like buy-in from people. Uh, and I think to your point, Chase, that has definitely contributed to kind of the memetics of crypto Twitter. Um, but I would like like to challenge also the audience and, and anybody who's eventually listening to this through the podcast. Like, If you're getting involved in crypto, make sure that you do so for the right reasons and you understand why you're doing this because there's a lot of people in the space. And this is like frustrating for me, how many people in the space are just repeating the same very shallow arguments about uh, alignment of incentives or ownership or web one, web two, web three, or privacy, whatever. Like, And, and when you actually probe deeper, there's not a lot of substance here. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of the term the hollow abstraction. I think a lot of people uh, have very convinced ideas on crypto, but they're based on hollow abstractions. Uh, and a hollow abstraction is basically you have a conviction that you don't have a foundation for. So I challenge you to make sure that you have the foundation, especially if you're bullish in the space. Like know what this matters, be able to articulate what this matters, uh, and be able to like talk at a very deep level about why, for some cases, an alignment of incentives would be beneficial, and don't just because you have some skin in the game, just go around saying, oh, number go up to the moon, bullish, right? <laughs> LFG. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, Sam, uh, last time we met for coffee, you mentioned that ATX DAO was doing a ton of innovation. I just wanted to give you a couple minutes to share about all the cool stuff that you guys are working on. Yeah, it's, it's uh, okay. Um, so I'll talk about the three things that were, the, 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 the vision of it. So I'll talk about what we're working on and I'll also talk about kind of like my personal vision for what ATXAO can, can become. So ATXAO, as I said at the beginning, is, is a DAO dedicated to making Austin the crypto capital of the world. Um, and we do that in three main ways, right? So we work a lot with community. So if you know, you know, there's nothing like a crypto, like an ATXL party or, or meetup. So we host some of the best meetups and we actually connect the community in, in Austin. Uh, the other point is we do a lot of like ecosystem work with business and local artists. So an example, if you've been to Native, Native Hostel on, on East 4th, uh, there's a huge mural that we help actually paint and we turn into an NFT. We raise money for some art projects here in town. I've got it on my shirt. I love oh. that shirt. Hell yeah. Not this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was going to look at it. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of ecosystem work that we do. Um, and there's also a lot of policy work that we're doing as well. So, um, and that's kind of what I've been the most involved in. Uh, we're trying to get DAOs recognized as legal entities in the state of Texas. So I think the previous panel was talking about regulation. Um, and that's something that we're, we're actively working on, on how do we actually change the, the LLC statute to be able to encompass DAOs and allow people to um, incorporate as, as LLCs in the state of Texas while preserving anonymity, voting rights, and a lot of the things that we care about for, for DAOs. So that's kind of what we work on. Those are the three main areas, if you want to know more, just atxao.com. But then my big vision for this 
is I think, as, as I said at the beginning, the end game for DAOs for me is decentralization building. And I genuinely think that um, what we are doing can be a precursor to that. So just imagine a world in which every major city starts to have a similar DAO to ATXL, which is dedicated to their own city, a purely grassroots movement. And it comes a point in which it becomes beneficial to be part of that DAO, and it may come a point in which it becomes more beneficial to be part of that DAO than it would be to be part of like your actual jurisdiction. And imagine these DAOs start connecting. So let's say, for instance, uh, in many years from now, all the local DAOs around the world are able to freely travel amongst each other. So somebody who lives in Indonesia or, or somebody who lives in Singapore and is part of the Singapore DAO has direct access to Austin. And whenever they come to Austin, they have access to healthcare or they have access to education or they have access to protection or they have access to, to living. There's a lot of really cool um, real estate, smart city projects happening here, here in, in Austin as well. So a lot, of the, a lot of the services that you usually would get from your state could be, in a way, decentralized, privatized, and hosted by DAOs. And it comes a point in which it is objectively better to receive education from a DAO network than it is from your shady school system in Colombia. So that's kind of my big vision for this, is a bunch of different local DAOs across the world that start to connect with each other and offer objective benefits to being part of the network and slowly start merging more into, the, into this vision of a decentralized network state. So that's what I would like to see at some point happening. Thank you. And Chase, any last thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm honored to sit next to such a visionary. And Alexi, you're amazing. And uh, just sharing a stage with you all is incredible. Uh, Coral, we, uh, we're a hedge fund, high-yield stablecoin-based fund. We, we, uh, we're having some trouble tracking all of our positions across all wallets, all traders. So we uh, created it on our own because we could not find this anywhere. So we just launched. Simul uh, under Coral Labs, and we're going to be reaching out to a number of hedge funds that need uh, data aggregation, DeFi accounting software the way that we did, and we built it. So if that's of any interest, you can always reach me on Twitter. Uh, and then I'm just excited to keep uh, supporting and being a part of uh, ATX DAO where I can. Thank you. And we are at time, so thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Let's keep it going for these fantastic panelists. We will be back at um, the 50-minute mark on the hour, if you would mind uh, rejoining us just about then for a talk on interoperability. But for now, feel free to take a bio break and get some water, and we'll see you back in 10. Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other CryptoCurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from JTR2424. Excellent content. Great show for people to learn details about what's happening in crypto today. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date on the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. We would like to give a special shout out to our Moon sponsor, Acacia Digital. Acacia invests in partners with early stage blockchain companies who are solving complex problems in large markets. Acacia partners with projects that have established technology and communities. Acacia supports public projects exhibiting strong momentum and capacity to grow into large markets. Acacia also directly participates in limited releases such as NFTs tied to unique experiences, access, or products. For more information, go to acaciadigital.io. Again, that's acaciadigital.io. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to deritterproductions.com. 